Welcome to the Deconstructing Data Podcast. I'm Jesse Lezak, CMO at BDEX, along with David Finkelstein, BDEX's co-founder and CEO. How's it going, David? Hey, Jesse. Um, all good. Uh, all good here. I've uh, been a busy week as usual and uh, excited to get back into the show. Yeah, same here. And um, we have a pretty exciting guest. Today, we get to meet Rich Swire, a Sarasota-based serial entrepreneur and tech pioneer with successful exits and an and AI-driven prop tech ventures such as RoofRE.com and Offers.com. And, you know, AI is all the buzz. So let's bring Rich in here. Hi, Rich. Hello. How are you doing, Jesse and David? Not too bad. Thanks for being here. Awesome to be here. Yeah, awesome. Um, Rich, so this is the first time we're meeting, right? So, I mean, you know, pre-show. Um, but our companies have worked together for a number of years. And so this will be an interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little better. So um, for me and also for our listeners, so why don't you give us a little background, kick us off of how you got, um, you know, a little background on your history and how you got to starting Offers and maybe a little bit more about what Offers does for our listeners. Yeah, well, um, my background is I studied mathematics uh, and computer science in, in school. And I've always found it very interesting to leverage mathematics when it comes to business, you know, analytics, um, you know, obviously looking at data to help improve, you know, every element of being in business, especially when you're an entrepreneur, because when you're launching a business or you have a small business, every dollar counts. So you want to make sure, you know, whether it be you're spending money on marketing or sales or infrastructure, whatever it might be, you want to know what exactly is happening with every dollar you spend. And analytics is a great way to maximize your resources and, and grow businesses. So as I launched businesses, I realized how important, uh, you know, analytics was. So over time, I started incorporating it in a lot of the ideas and specifically in the businesses that I was launching to bring that same value to our customers. Um, about eight, nine years ago, we started a real estate prop tech company called offers.com where we leveraged predictive analytics uh, inside of our product, which is really cool. And, and that's kind of also when we um, cross paths with, with you at BDEX as well, because we leverage a lot of your data um, as inputs into our algorithm. And, you know, the, the headline of what offers does is we predict who's going to sell their house next. And so you can imagine that that is very valuable to a variety of people, who are in the real estate business, specifically uh, real estate brokers and, and, and realtors who obviously want to be part of that transaction to grow their business. So uh, we grew that business up uh, over time. Um, we were one of the first to market using predictive analytics as a core value proposition. Um, and now it seems like most everybody is, is talking about using predictive analytics uh, in the business. So um, it just goes to show you how important um, that has become just to the general market. Um, so that's that's how I got where I am today. That's great. Yeah, that's super interesting, and and you know it shows really how cutting edge you you guys have been, right? So using predictive analytics before you know before it was really what anybody was talking about, and now everybody's talking about it, right? So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, and it's and predictive analytics just you know obviously sounds kind of nerdy, but you know it is it is kind of a subset of you know, we use machine learning algorithms to deliver predictive analytics, and that's kind of the 
a sub subset of artificial intelligence. So, which is kind of one of the topics today. So it's, we've always been very interested in leveraging data to make what you would consider magical outcomes, you know, predicting the future, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool that it's all come to light now, you know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we talk about this a lot that everybody only talks about chat GPT these days as, as, <laughs> as far as AI is concerned, because they get something they get to play with, but, uh, um, cause not everybody gets to, to play with the technologies that companies like yours has in the background. Right. Um, and so a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of, you know, this type of machine learning and AI, um, technology that's used in products that's all around them, services that are all around them that they're, you know, they're not even aware of. Um, and so I think it's, it's kind of good. It's great for you. It's great for our industry as a whole that people are becoming more aware of its existence. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's been used by many different industries in the background. Um, you know, I mean, everything from, um, you know, when you go to Las Vegas, there's a reason why those, those, those hotels have gold plated, uh, you know, toilets is <laughs> because they use predictive analytics to, to know really the outcome of sports games and everything else, you know, that they, they don't magically understand the score of the, the bears game on Sunday ahead of time without using math and, <laughs> you know, used everywhere, weather patterns, you know, I mean, uh, but using it in business is definitely new. Um, a lot of the reason is because a lot of people don't do a good job of, of collecting data about their business. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, you need to have a, a pretty significant amount of data to, to increase your accuracy of what's going to happen next. You know, the, the best predictor of future behaviors, what happened in the past, but if you don't track what happens in the past, there's no way to know accurately what's going to happen next so as we've kind of grown as an industry and as more and more people are using software to run their business you know now there's that data they can leverage to make better predictions of what's going to happen next and so you yeah. start to see it in sales and marketing is kind of the first low-hanging fruit where people are looking at using data to analyze what potentially is going to happen next and where they best can apply this data to to improve their marketing and sales oh i can't wait to get into these topics I mean, you're already into AI, so should I just pull it right up and we can dive into it? Always, yeah. yeah. Were you going to add something, David? I was just going to say that, you know, further to what Rich was saying, you know, whether we collected data or not in the past, it didn't really matter because we didn't really have the technology to store as much data mm -hmm. and to process it in, you know, as quickly as we can today. Um, it would have been way too costly to try to do that years ago. And so I think that's a big part of why we're seeing a lot more of it uh, yeah. today, right? It's just become Definitely. more cost-effective to be able to process huge amounts of data. Yeah, yeah. Cost of yeah. processing, cost of storage has gone. As the further that goes down, um, the the more smart you know the smarter we're going to get you know from from a business perspective for sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I look at the you know what we do today in BDEX, and I say, well, for us to do this, run this exact business. 10 years ago, it would have cost probably more than 10 X what it costs just to operate the business, you know, yeah. just to store the data and process it. Yeah. And so it just, you know, uh, it, it just financially would have made sense, but today we can do it, you know, and process it. Yeah. Especially data. with the cloud. Yeah. With the cloud, like when we moved all of our stuff to, to the mm -hmm. Google clouds atmosphere and they, you know, you can access, you know, as much server power as you need. Um, and they've been able to kind of continue to keep the costs at a reasonable pace. You know, you can do some pretty magical things that, again, like you said, 10 years ago would be impossible to do. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
and all the data that they have in real estate, that would be a shame. So now there's all these new things that you can do mm -hmm. with revolutionizing real estate. So can you talk a little bit about that and kick us off on this topic of how AI and big data are transforming the real estate industry? Yeah, I mean, I think at, at, a, at a very high level, when you think about real estate, we all have our own experience with it, but it's probably very far and few between. You know, maybe some of us have bought and sold a home, but it's usually every seven to 10 years. So, you know, there's not a lot of consumer engagement with the real estate transaction, except for when it happens. And then there's, it's a lot of work and a lot of effort. So there's very little pieces of data points that you can have on a on the, on the grand scale of a, of, of a thing, like compared to e-commerce where if somebody's buying, you know, uh, paper towels or shoes every month, there's a lot more data. So we kind of took a different approach to looking at a high level real estate. Um, you know, when we, uh, built out our data warehouse and we started obviously by leveraging every single property and their information, uh, over the last five to 10 years by getting access to the tax assessor database you know, which is about 120 million properties. And then we started building on that, um, levering, um, you know, kind of high quality data from providers like BDEX and a variety of others where we would kind of start building uh, a profile around the home. And the more data points we could garner from that, um, the more accurate our algorithm could be. So, you know, um, and by in order to predict what's going to happen next, you know, you have to look at, okay, what's going to affect the decision-making process, you know, whether it be consumer data or the home data itself. So, for example, things like um, if somebody um, has a has a child that's leaving for college, so they might be looking to, you know, um, reduce the. They might be looking to sell their property to get a smaller property, or if somebody has a kid or another kid, they might need to grow their property. Or if there's a death in the family, there's a variety of things that could that could kind of set in motion the sale of a home, including simple things like. The market value is just too good to be true, right? So they might have bought the home and they might have equity in a house where it gets to the point where the equity is almost impossible for that homeowner to to not want to cash out and sell their home. So, Or it could be the opposite. It could be that the, the debt, debt load is too high and they need to sell in order to get out get out from under it. So all this information that's that's um, out there needs to be compressed and, 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 and driven by... Um, kind of what I said in the early stage of this predictive analytics slash a machine learning algorithm is kind of a, I would, I would consider that the quantitative side of AI. Um, you know, we mentioned chat GPT, which is something that has caught on fire and a lot of people are experiencing. That's kind of the other side of what I would consider the other side of the brain of AI, which is really more language based stuff. So it understands what you're saying and gives context to your language. Whereas our side is more quantitative. We're, we're, we're doing the one plus one equals two side. But I think the combination of those two things is really where you start to see um, AI kind of flourish, where when it has access to qualitative data or qualitative processing like language and quantitative data, like, you know, the numbers and the data that we see when we're looking at the housing market. So moving forward, kind of if you were to kind of fast forward five to 10 years, um, I think it's going to be highly likely that, you know, the process of buying and selling a home, just like buying and selling anything really, um, and the, the, the commerce element of that is going to be compressed to where it's going to be relatively simple and very, very streamlined, even though it's a very large transaction, a complex transaction. Um, now that we have the qualitative side of AI and language processing, it's going to be a lot easier to move through a, to a, through a home sale 
And uh, I think it's going to mimic a lot of things that we see today. I think it's, you know, just like transportation is evolving with, with the Uber experience or just like the logistic experience of getting something shipped to you has completely changed with the Amazon experience. We're going to start seeing very similar aspects of that um, in, in the real estate market. And, you know, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as kind of a, an innovator when it comes to the information side of that business. Um, and then sharing that information with the resources like real estate agents across the country is um, so that they can be competitive and, and ultimately, um, you know, continue to flourish in their business. That's kind of where we've always seen our role. So super interesting stuff. Um, to the consumer, what it means is they can probably make more money and make it faster, which is all, you know, which is really at the end of the day, the only reason why any of us exist is to make, make lives better. But, um, but there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the, the water that you don't see that I think will start bubbling up and be pretty cool. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And one of the things that we talked about um, just before the show, which I find in an interesting challenge, right, is, is buying and selling homes is not like e-commerce, right? So it's not something that when, when you're dealing with predictive analytics and you're, you're saying, okay, well, I think that these are the people that are going to sell their homes. You're, you really don't know, right? What's the cycle, you know, how long does it take? I mean, you probably know better than I do what, how long it takes for somebody to decide that they might want to sell their home till they actually do. Yeah, and buy another home. yeah like right now it's nine months, you know? Yeah. So if it's oh. nine months, you know, that's a long cycle to be able mm -hmm. to say, okay, we're going to test all kinds of data. And then nine months from now, we're going to see if it really worked. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting problem and challenge mm -hmm. and, to, and, uh, to yeah, work through. It is. And then one of the things that we've been playing around with, with the, the open AI, which is the kind of the backbone of ChatGPT, is the shopping experience of real estate, um, which is very interesting. It's not like any other industry where like the shopping experience is typically I'm going to hire a real estate agent, especially if it's a new area that you don't know. And they're going to they're going to provide you you know, through the MLS pretty much solely what, what's available. And it's kind of like going to Amazon and saying, I want to buy, you know, um, a shoe, but even though there's a hundred shoes being manufactured, they're only going to show you five because those are only five are for sale right now. All the other 95 are, are not for sale. And you're like, well, I want one of these other other 95, like, sorry, until it's for sale. And I'm not sure when it will be, you're stuck with these five shoes. And what's <laughs> happening is the consumer experience I think is going to evolve into for two two major ways. One is using predictive analytics and what we do. Even though homes are not on market, technically everything's for sale. I mean, if you were to kind of take this kind of obtuse perspective of commerce, is like if somebody came and offered you way more than what you think your house is worth, guess who? Most likely it's for sale now, right? Like there's a point where everybody will a price point wherever we will sell. So. Mm -hmm. Using predictive analytics, we can actually change the shopping experience to say, you know what, honestly, I want to buy that house on the corner of Maine and Orange. Oh, it's not for sale. It's off market. But it has a high score of likelihood of selling. So even though they haven't listed it yet, they might be thinking of listing it in three to six months. So we've, we've actually started looking at helping consumers, you know, abroad in there and allow them to see more than five shoes out of 100 to buy and look at houses they actually match what they want. Um, so I want a house on a lake that is near this great school. And, and unfortunately, there's mm -hmm. nothing in the MLS available, but I'm going to go through um, offers and start making, uh, you know, s sending letters to those people 
or emails or, or calling those people and seeing if they're on market. So that's one way it's going to adjust where we open up and allow for a, a larger swath of opportunity for people to find the dream home they want, not just choose from a small amount of homes that might be listed right now. And the second thing, which is what ChatGPT and OpenAI is interested is brought into the picture, is the buying experience can start with, "Hey, where? What? I'm I'm 35 years old. I have a budget of $500,000. I have two kids that are going to enter into elementary school. Where is the best place for me to live in the state of North Carolina?" And they and then ChatGPT will will say, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina, um, you know, and uh, you know. Fort Bragg, and they'll start listing all these different cities, and they go, all right, which city has the lowest crime rate? Okay, Raleigh does. Okay, what neighborhood is the closest to a, a lake? Because I love wakeboarding. And this is going to give, and this is in, a super interesting way that I think ChatGPT is going to completely impact how we shop, what I would call um, navigating products that aren't, aren't quantitatively driven. Like, I need a shoe. I like the way it looks. I need size 14. But this is like, you can ask it questions down to the point where, and I did this demo in front of a real estate conference a couple of weeks ago, where my last question was, um, okay, of, of, of these schools, uh, uh, which is the highest rated, and it said, oh, this elementary school. And I said, okay, how do I apply and get my kids into this school? And it literally gave me all the links and all the instructions on how to get my kid into the school. So you can imagine, like, that's a pretty amazing experience to kind of go, if you're like just saying, I just need to be in North Carolina area. I don't even know where, what neighborhood. Um, ChatGPT, and then add on to that this idea of using quantitative analytics to find your dream home and not just be stuck with the four or five percent of homes that are for sale. I think those are the two primary drivers that are going to completely revolutionize real estate. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I love that. I love the whole idea of um, in basically <laughs> increasing the inventory, right? Yep. And being able to say, hey, you know, there's only these five percent of homes are for sale, but these might be. Right. Like price. Yeah. Think about, and also that also allows you to kind of broaden your price range and broaden what's available. And quite honestly, you know, a lot of people, I mean, they don't buy the house that they really, really, really want. It's just what was in the other, you know, yeah. of the things that were for sale. That's the one they settled with. And, you know, this is a, ma a massive investment for most people. I mean, especially now with prices of houses being, you know, 30, 40% what they were 10 years ago, higher, in some cases more. You know, you want to buy something, you're going to, it's probably going to be something you're going to buy and, and, and hold on to for quite some time. So you want to be um, super happy about it. And we see this happening in a lot of markets. And our, cust our customers are using our data to provide that service to their end customer. So real estate agents are using that and saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to show you what's in the MLS. But I'm also going to do a direct mail blast to this neighborhood that you love so much. And maybe we'll find something off market. And quite honestly... In, in my experience, usually one or two pop up and we can make an offer, um, which is a very interesting way of, of looking at real estate. Um, and uh, I think I think that's I think that trend will continue, especially now that hardly anybody's selling or listing their property. So you have to kind of do some digging, you know, to find that property you want. I love it. I think yeah. I think you're totally right. And it's going to yeah. change the way people uh, buy homes. I, yeah. And what's cool is that your data, you know, BDEX being one of the channels that we use, um, helps us identify those people, you know, which is really kind of sexy because, um, you know, it's difficult to, you know, get enough data about a specific neighborhood or area to find out who's potentially going to sell. And, you know, getting those seller signals and those things that we get from you really help drive a lot of that, um, our scoring, which allows 
us to be very efficient and take a rifle approach to finding those homes that are most likely going to list in the next 12 months. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah, that's and awesome. The real estate stuff is really interesting. We don't really get into real estate too often on this show. I don't think if ever in terms of like data and AI. So we could talk about this for hours, um, but want to make sure we cover our second mm -hmm. and third topic too. So um, predicting the future, how AI and machine learning are reshaping business strategies. Do you mind kicking us off with this topic, Rich? Yeah. So, I mean, and this goes, this goes kind of goes back to what I was saying before, but I mean, ultimately, I think every business, even non-real estate oriented, every business needs to look at um, two things. They need to start understanding how important all the data that they collect, specifically around any sort of key business KPI or key performance indicator like sales, marketing, even employment data, um, you know, every piece of data they have um, is super important. Now, most business owners would say, yeah, okay, Rich, I understand that. Yeah, of course, I got all my analytics and I know how many clicks and I know how many conversions and so forth. But now I think what's interesting and new is they need to start thinking about their uh, non-structured data. So not stuff that's in their QuickBooks, not stuff that's in their Google Analytics, but non-structured data, stuff that's really just text that is not inside of a database is now open for business because with you know, open AI and with a lot of the AI um, engines that are being offered up now through um, a variety of different, you know, applications that you can either license or, or if you're, if you have a technology team, you could actually integrate directly with open AI um, is very interesting. So for example, we just did this at, at our company is we took our entire support, all the support information that we have, everything from tickets to our documentation to our knowledge base, every possible conversation that we've ever had with a customer um, and any kind of documentation we've ever developed internally. And we've all, we've mapped it all in and we plugged it in and fed it to um, a, uh, and created a, our own uh, language model that we plugged into OpenAI. And now we've created our own AI chatbot. So now internally, if anybody who is part of my company, whether it be a support person, a salesperson, whoever, they can ask that chat AI bot anything about offers they mm -hmm. want, and they would get an answer that's probably better than what I could give them being with the company since it started. So um, this is an internal tool that eventually will expose to the external world, you know, our customers, because it will in, enhance their experience and they'll get them answers to questions that would potentially take them, you know, a lot of time if they were to have to wait for the phone call from a support team or whatever. But like the, the non-structured data is now part of the game of, okay, how do we now become smarter, more efficient, and how do we expose that um, either internally or externally. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very exciting time because, again, back to what David was saying, you could try to finagle this maybe five, 10 years ago, but the cost structure wasn't there and, it, and just a lot of effort and, and, it, and, the, and the results wouldn't be, back, uh, wouldn't be that great. You know? um, but now with, with some of the things that, um, that OpenAI is developing with long, large language models, and now it, you could plug in everything that you've ever done inside of your business, uh, you could really see a huge um, advantage to doing that. Um, so I encourage every business to look at how can we better feed, you know, how can we better at least store and, and, and aggregate all this data that's going on, even conversations internally, and be smart about navigating that, 
putting that somewhere into sort of AI model and leveraging it. And of course, there's a lot of concerns, you know, that I'm, I'm, I won't have to get into right now, but like there's security, there's privacy, there's, you know, things like, you know, proprietary information and all that, that you have to figure out. And that's, of course, that's going to have to happen for everybody, um, no matter what, even OpenAI and ChatGPT, we've already heard stories about um, disastrous stories about how it has got information that shouldn't have or displays information it shouldn't have. But that's obviously like any new technology we're going to have to deal with. But I think the pros well outweigh the cons and in, in levering this stuff for your for your business. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it's true. It's, it, we've been talking about this, how every company has to figure out how AI can help their company and whether it be in sales or whether it's in support or in you know, finance, it doesn't really matter. And I don't think there's a business that's immune to it. Yeah, we did a cool, we did a cool uh, experiment with one of our um, customers or they weren't a customer yet. They were a lead. We did a great experiment where um, we had a salesperson on a chat with uh, a customer and we had our open AI bot on a chat with another customer. And it was really interesting because the customers are pretty, I mean, you know, it's like any other, you know, any sales process, they all ask the same it's 80, 20 roll. They all ask the same questions, right? Like, what do you do and how does it work and what's the price? And, but it's super interesting to see how our sales rep, you know, a human you know, interacted with the customer and, and the chatbot. And it's, it's scary to see how effective and how efficient it is when you have context to a conversation like you do with the open AI system. And honestly, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty mind boggling. Um, the only thing that the open AI didn't have that the sales rep obviously was trained in is, is the aggressiveness, the aggressiveness to go for a close. But as far <laughs> as the Q and a session, it was almost identical. <laughs> so the, oh, so it's, it's something to, it's something to think about. Like when you think about what, what does it mean to be, you know, when does, when does an AI achieve general intelligence? When does it achieve, you know, and pass the Turing test? And I, I joke because a lot, there's, if you're not familiar with the Turing test is kind of the, 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 the point where you believe AI is as, as a, a sentient being and it's very much like a human. Yeah. And I and, and there's a lot of different theories. Obviously, Alan Turing is a great mathematician that, that came up with it like 70, 80 years ago. But um, there's a lot of people that say, oh, only if, it, if it's self-aware or only if it understands this or that. And I said, no, the, you'll know when it's sentient, when it's, when it's truly passed a Turing test, when it can close a deal. Because <laughs> there's nothing more human than you know, being greedy and trying to get somebody to give you the money. It's like, if they can get a credit card number from somebody, then I think we've, we've achieved pure AGI. So yeah, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you could, if you could uh, feed a a chat bot like that, like knowledge on different closing techniques. Yeah. And just just to know when to bring it in. Right. right. Because it could be just the timing of it. Right. Because there's so much reading between the lines when you go for the close on a sale, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with support. Same thing with support team. Like when a support person starts to, you know, they feel the anger, they feel, you know, you have to really read between the lines. Yeah. Everybody is, you know, there is a, there's an element when you're doing a business transaction, everybody's a shadow of themselves. For the most part, they try to maintain professionalism. But at the end of the day, you know, that human element that, that we see in between the lines, um, if an AI bot can see that, then, then you know it's very, getting very close. I definitely have been on a few phone calls with support people where, where I, they could have been a bot only in the sense that like you, you wonder once you get that angry, how they can just be like, 
oh, I'm sorry, you feel that way. And, <laughs> then, like, just, and then just continue like on. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, I, you know, we're not answering your question, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Support, support is definitely easier because you can kind of dismiss in this kind of, you know, like, who cares kind of view. And then we've kind of, over years, we've kind of gotten used to it because, we, you know, it's been outsourced and 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 very few, very little uh, effort. But, you know, when in the sales side, there's a lot more attention paid to that. So I think it's, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. But yeah, I think people who just kind of think of this as a nice, cool little tool or an add-on are, are probably going to be greatly mistaken. It, it will mm -hmm. impact your core business as much or if more than the internet did in 1996, where it will displace a lot of people's jobs, but it will also bring or evolve those people's jobs into something completely different, you know? Um, we actually have one person on our staff now that that's all they do. That That is their job title is they're there to train the bot. They're, you know, yeah. they do, they have, they're, they're part of what's called, H, you know, human feedback, which is a big part of AI is basically sitting there going, oh, did they answer that correctly or did they answer that bad? And then basically providing that third party source and also auditing that bot and making sure that it doesn't know too much. <laughs> it's like we don't want to give away the you know the recipe to coca-cola you know in the middle of the night um so it, there's there's quite a an interesting transition that will happen and then there's ethics uh, which is another element to this which i think is going to be probably the number one job in five years will be um ai ethics and because it's going to require somebody who has a very deep understanding of philosophy but also has a very deep technical background so they can understand basically how to socially hack an AI bot to give them what they want to obviously violate what we consider ethical behavior. Yeah. So. Or they'll just create a bot to train. The bot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be a bunch of bots. That's all. I mean, in, in a couple of years, this podcast will just be three bots. Be <laughs> we did have who we called Gina on here once, which was right. chat GPT with oh, cool. text to voice. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. She was pretty dry. She, she lacked a lot of tone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, a, there there's, a cool, there's a cool, uh, there's a cool trend now where you can start programming your own personal bot with your own personal information and history. So basically, mm. it becomes like a, a shadow or a, a mirror of yourself. That's a very interesting. Uh, <laughs> I tell this to my kid, and she thinks I'm crazy. But I said there's probably a, a not there's probably a 50 50 percent chance that your child's first relationship will be with a bot, like your their first girlfriend or boyfriend will probably be a bot. And that's scary as that sounds and weird as that sounds. It's no different than, I, I, I don't know if David, David, you're probably my same age as me, but like, I don't know if you remember back when you were in early teens or, or early 20s and you heard about people meeting on online dating was like this weird thing. Like, yeah, I met him on on, on, on this online dating site. And you're like, oh, that's gross. That's weird. Right. Well, you know, why can't you be like a normal person Fury. and meet him in a bar? But now it's like 99% of people, that's how they meet. So uh, it's crazy. You know, we're going to be sitting in a world where it, it, we're just be shaking our head going, I don't understand this anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, I, it's definitely getting there fast because I've been reading a lot about all these different like Instagram accounts and things that are, that are not real people now. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yeah. people will be following people that aren't even real, but guess what? Guess what? The people that are following those, those followers, they're not real either. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, I'm yeah. just, I, I, I'm just hoping that doesn't carry over too much on LinkedIn, but I, you know, you already get the feeling that it is because so much of the content is, yeah. is being generated by, you know, by AI yeah. um, that at some point you're going to be on LinkedIn and it's basically just, 
a bunch of bots talking to each other, posting things to each other. And it's, it's yeah. kind I of think, scary. I think definitely AI is going to make social media companies have to reevaluate just the entirety of how their systems work and what and they're gonna have to raise the bar on being part of a system and it's not too dissimilar to any sort of technology technology investment that's happened in the past where i think people are going to have to verify they're human and go through this whole like mm-hmm. process of, of of being part of in social media unfortunately even though they love the clicks and they love to take your money as an advertiser they're going to have to some at some point crack down on that and i would argue that i know it's probably there's no verifiable data of this but i, I would guess that 30 40 percent of the traffic on social media that 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 pretty much is being paid for by an advertiser or getting clicks is probably on bots or wasted. To, you know, yeah. I can bots. verify that. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a big part of our business is tracking yeah. tracking IDs that are yeah. linked to bots, and it's easily forty yeah. percent plus. So basically, um, you're looking at your ad budget and you're going, okay, well there there goes half of it. You know? Yeah. So yeah, and uh, yeah, it's so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to look at different ways of you know. Of creating a better better experience, which I think. Elon How do you Musk monetize does. a platform that is just bots talking to each other? Right. You know what I mean. Exactly <laughs> makes no sense. And it, yeah, because everybody's 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 feeling. I think that the return on investment with social media is is becoming harder and harder to justify. Not only because of the, the bot problem, but because of just the sheer fact that um, uh, the prices, you know, what the what the, what the companies are asking to for the clicks is is gotten out of control. So. You know, I think there's going to be a, a reckoning for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think the experience of the internet will change completely. I mean, ChatGPT is just the tip of the iceberg and quite honestly, not even the most impressive thing about what could potentially happen. But it's a great use case to showcase like what the user experience could change into for sure. Definitely. And there is a lot to unpack there. Um, but I'm just going to jump into this mm-hmm. third topic because I know we only have 10 minutes left. Um, we've talked a little bit about sales and marketing already, but in terms of next gen lead gen, how is AI revolutionizing sales and marketing for real estate professionals specifically? Rich? Yeah, so I think we're we're starting to use this today. I don't think we're using it at the at the at the full potential of what it's going to be probably by this time next year, specifically, especially now that there's tools that are coming out that are allowing for these large language models to be developed. So what we're doing and what I think a lot of people are doing in this industry is taking every possible conversation that could happen, um, every variation of conversation that could happen within a real estate transaction, um, whether it be buying or selling a home or whether it be investing um, or whether it be, you know, um, repairing a home or getting ready to, to sell a home and putting that into, into some sort of form that could be, um, displayed in, in some sort of format, like an open, open AI chatbot. And I think that's going to be a major driver of how people will start interacting with, um, not just real estate agents, but financial advisors, mortgage brokers, you know, everybody who's got a stake in this conversation, um, from when you're thinking about selling to when you actually sell a home. And then of course, when you move and buy a new home, that cycle, that 12 month cycle, which millions and millions of dollars is being spent on new furniture, on insurance, on mortgage, on the home itself. That conversation and that experience is going to consolidate and compress. Um, and I think AI and machine learning and, of course, things like what we do with with uh, data itself is going to make that experience, I think, much more enjoyable and much more fluid 
and I, I can only compare it to things that we experience today, like the Uber experience, um, where you have an app, you need to get from A to B, you click a button, your payment information, everything's in there. They know where you are, they find you, they take you where you are, and then the payment's done. And you don't really care who the driver is. Honestly, probably most people don't even care what the car is. Maybe some people do, so they'll pay an extra money, a little bit more money for that. But at the end of the day, they got from A to B, and the experience was smooth. And that is probably the best kind of analogy or metaphor I could use for what I think we're going to see converging in the real estate market. It's a much more complicated process. It's not as easy as driving a car and certainly isn't as um, frequent, but that experience in itself is going to be what real estate will become. And we'll take a lot of dragging some people along, and but there's going to be enough innovation that's going to occur um, that there's just no other way it's going to go. It's definitely not going to go the other way. Um, and I, I hope to, to see that, that real estate agents specifically, people who have built this industry, who have really created um, the process as it is, will play a part in that. And I think that's kind of always been our mantra is not replacing that world, not kicking the real estate agent to the curb, but trying to drag them kicking and screaming into this new world, leveraging predictive analytics and, and what we, you know, the beginnings of what AI is now. I mean, I did a presentation when we developed our first AI chatbot. Um, I think I have it on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, we launched it in 2015 and I did a whole presentation that we called Araya and it was way ahead of the time. And I think I had a, I had an audience of like a few hundred people where we presented the, the artificial intelligence and how it was going to affect real estate. And it was just like, they didn't, this was like blank stares. Not, I think I, they all thought I was nuts, but now it's, you know, everybody has a chatbot now. So I think it's going to take time, but I think they're going to have to run faster than they anticipated to stay ahead of the pack. And I think there's going to be a, the next two years are going to be very tough for what I would call services oriented businesses, real estate included, but even mortgage title, all of it. Um, if they do not embrace it, what's going to happen and get and partner up with companies like ours to get a head start on that, um, it's going to be very, very tough for them to compete. And that's, you know, um, we've seen this happen with the internet. I mean, just imagine if you went back 20 years and, and said, I don't really need a website. I'm going to sell real estate. I don't need to, mm -hmm. I don't need to be on the web. I'm going to sell real estate the way I've done it for the last 50 years. You would be crazy. Like there's no such thing as a real estate agent doing anything without a website. Um, but you know, one of my first businesses was launching websites and that's what I would hear in 1994. Oh, I don't need a website. I don't do the old fashioned, you know, I don't, what are you talking about? HTTP that you're crazy. I've never even heard this. Well today that's it, you know? So I think it's going to be much quicker and much more impactful than the internet was because we're dealing with something that's not only rapidly evolving, but it's going to change the way consumers interact with everything and it's going to happen overnight and consumers dictate the pace and it's happening so quick. It's, it's actually ridiculous. I can't, I can't imagine what's going to happen. What's going to be like in 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I always go back to the meme. I, I don't remember exactly how it, how it goes, but it was, it would show, it would say, you know, our, our parents taught us uh, never get in a car with strangers, Uber, <laughs> right? Uh, right. Never going into a stranger's home, Airbnb. Yeah. Um, yeah. So never, never. Yeah. Don't stand, don't stand so close to TV, but we're sitting there staring at a computer, like literally right now, 10 yeah. inches from my face. Yeah. My mom yeah. used to say, don't stand so close to TV. And now like, yeah, now that's all I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the, the world changes and it changes uh, fast. So you're yeah. right. And, and remember now it's not just us changing it. 
and evolving it and thinking of new ways. Now we have this massive amount of computing power doing it 24 seven, doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to sleep, doesn't get tired, doesn't complain about its salary, doesn't come like, <laughs> now you have this other thing that's never existed that's processing very similar to how we process and create and it's only exponentially getting bigger you know they say by 2050 the the comp- total computing power uh, of what will be considered the largest supercomputer of the of the world which is you know most people think about the one that beat the guy in chess and recently it just became as powerful as the human brain but by 2050 we reach this point of singularity where all the all the computing power of this big supercomputer will be as more powerful and, and be able to do more transactions than than all of the human brains in the entire world. And so you can imagine where we are today with basically what would be equivalent of one human brain. Now we're talking about billions. So that that computing power is unfathomable what it's going to do to the entire world. And real estate is just, you know, a a drop in the bucket, I think. So interesting. Yes. Well, um, with all of this, in terms of tech stack, can you share with the audience? We ask this to all of our guests. What are some of your favorite tools in your tech stack? Well, I mean, our our biggest thing, you know, we're I'm a big lover of Google. Uh, you know, their tech stack and their cloud system, although they were kind of late to the game, you know, five six years ago, um, is probably the most impressive set of tools that I've worked with. Um, and and they're just they're just so ahead of the game. You know, they're the ones who who kind of you know started this whole real revolution around AI. Uh, we've worked with their team um, quite a bit over the last five years, and that's kind of what got us involved in it. And then, of course, spawning out of that was OpenAI and others. Um, but yeah, that's that's the stack that we use. We use a lot of their, their obviously, their data warehousing. Um, they have a great tool in BigQuery that allows us to do a tremendous amount of processing and develop our pipeline of data into our algorithm. And most of our algorithms are, are, although some of it is driven by kind of traditional PA tools that we've used um, that aren't necessarily in the cloud, most of it ends up there and, and processes it. And when you're talking about speed and you're talking about the cost per, for, for storage and memory, you know, the, it really can't be beat. Um, and so, you know, and our tech stack kind of goes from there. And then once the data is processed and delivered, it goes into our, our applications, which we've homegrown and built ourselves to deliver to our customers in a much more palatable, bite-sized manner. Uh, but like, for example, how we integrate with BDEX, you know, BDEX processes files to us and we ingest those files directly right into our warehouse uh, that's stored on the Google Cloud. And then we can do anything and everything we want to do with it there. So um, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool stuff. I mean, we use all your traditional tools that you would expand into. And now Google has some pretty cool, they've they started releasing some of their AI-driven uh, stuff and that's obviously rapidly developing as we speak. So we'll start using that more and more um, as we move forward with like large language models and so forth. Yeah, yeah they got to catch up with Bing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Microsoft took a big swing at, at, at OpenAI, and, and that's, that's pretty exciting. And we're, we're, we're a Microsoft shop as well for a lot of the tools that we have. And certainly we, we work with OpenAI. And, um, and uh, yeah, I think like anything else, if you're going to want to be on the edge, you're going to have to play in everybody's sandbox. Um, so we leverage tools from all different providers if and when we can, you know, that bring us to where we need to be. So, you know, we're, we're definitely hybrid, you know, like any other, you know, 
product yeah. company. Google does a little bit of everything. It's so interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they do. And, they're, you know, they're the mountain, as they say. So even if they don't have it today, they'll probably have it. Before they're figuring the of, it out. Before the end of the week. And, yeah, and it's just the cost effectiveness of what they do from a data processing, just because obviously that's their DNA. You know, they from the search perspective, you know, you're getting basically access to the same environment that, that drives one of the largest databases, uh, if not the largest database in the world. So. Um, yeah, that's something that we've always been attracted to because we do process so much data on a day-to-day -day basis and we're trying to expand our pipes uh, to get more and more data. And now that's, you know, of course, so we always depend on, on them to be able to, to, to handle it. And it's so flexible and so easy to use. Um, you know, we, uh, we have another business that is on the AWS system and, um, not as not as flexible and not as malleable and as and, and and although they have very similar tools, we just haven't found it to be um, as expandable. But again, we play with everybody's sandbox. You know, they are they're good in some things, better in some things, but overall, we're we're definitely a Google shop. You know. Awesome. Well, I put that in the comments and to gave Google a tag. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, I like Google yeah. too, yeah. personally. But in closing, Rich, how can the audience find you? Um, well, obviously, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can just, I think, find me under my name, Rich Swire. I'm sure there's a link somewhere here in the chat. Um, that's probably the best place, really, honestly, LinkedIn, um, since it's here and, and in context of what we have here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm involved in a variety of different ventures right now, mostly prop tech, uh, and always looking to innovate. Um, so if anybody's doing anything with, with AI or machine learning, even outside of real estate, I'm always interested in knowing more. You know, the the business that I started with offers and roof um, are actually were sold to a larger conglomerate called Constellation Software, uh, which is a, a pretty innovative uh, business that goes out and looking for software companies that are um, that have vertical market solutions. And so, it's very exciting to be part of that kind of conglomerate of of businesses that are under the constellation umbrella because they're all doing really cool innovative stuff outside of real estate so um yeah so anybody that's in the software business definitely reach out to me if you're you know if you either run or currently have a business that is leveraging that or looking to leverage that i think there's always you know a conversation to be had there definitely awesome well this has been great rich and i appreciate you joining us on the show today this was Thanks, great david i appreciate it thank you jesse yeah. And before we go, we want to tell you and the audience about Omni IQ. It's, you know, the ultimate app, we think, to help you better understand your audience and target your audience with AI and your first party data. Um, so I put the QR code on the screen and you can scan that or just go to bdex.com and you can try it for free. No credit card required. Just upload a list of your CSV file of your data and then you can get birth year, gender and household income analytics complimentary and of course upgrade to learn more so we'd love to hear you know everyone's experience after trying omni iq and um, we'd also love to hear from listeners do you know someone you'd like to have on the show um, we've started to get some suggestions so keep them coming if you know anyone else that you think would be great to have on deconstructing data let us know email us at info at and share your qualitative data with us so we can make this better for you and that's all for today. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rich. Bye-bye. See you.